Welcome to our podcast, Caution Wide Right. It's just another trucking podcast. Now, for those that follow the Atri research reports, like I do, you will have noticed that last year they conducted a driver camera survey, and the results came back a few weeks ago. While previous Atri research found that truck drivers have very positive concerns or opinions uh, about road-facing cameras, there were numerous concerns over driver-facing cameras. So we're going to dive into this topic with the experts in the field, Barrett Young with Netrodyne. For those that don't know, Netrodyne is an industry-leading SaaS provider of artificial intelligence and edge computing solutions focused on safety and driver coaching for commercial fleets. Barrett, welcome to the podcast. Hey, good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Now, Netrodyne's mission uh, on the website says it's to transform road and fleet safety by using advanced vision tech to change the way drivers interact with the roads around them, uh, therefore creating safer roadways for today, smarter roadways for tomorrow. Before we dive into debunking driver myths around the cameras and the software or discuss the best practices in how fleets should implement these systems, Let's discuss some statistics. Uh, I believe on your website, uh, there was a recent survey your company ran through Atomic Research uh, around non-commercial drivers, the, the everyday drivers, and it highlighted that nearly half or about 47% classify themselves as a multitasking driver. They're driving and they're eating, talking on the phone, looking in emails, social media, whatever it is at some point during a typical drive. And despite it being a dangerous habit, one in five or like 20% believe that they're even better at driving when multitasking. I'm curious, what were some of the top concerns for the non-commercial drivers in the survey? I mean, those stats are, are crazy, right? To think about <laughs> half the drivers on the road are staring at their phones and go, no, this is okay. I'm good at this. Um, no, I, I think the way to set the stage about this and how it relates to the broader commercial vehicle industry is that the way that we've been taught to improve fleet performance and driver safety is perfectly suited for a world that no longer exists. This, the stats that you just read off are, are objective exam examples of that. There's more drivers on the road nowadays, and a very large portion of them are staring at their phones or distracted in other ways. And that, that uh, greatly impacts the safety of even commercial vehicles. You know, if people are not paying attention, they're weaving around, they're cutting large trucks off, whatever it may be, it affects everyone. Now, when it comes to improving safety for the commercial drivers themselves, there has to be a very high um, impact and innovative tech system nowadays that allows that actually to happen. And that's exactly what Netrodyne is doing, is we have sort of taken this new world, this new way of creating uh, safer roads for both commercial drivers and sort of tangentially through commercial or consumer drivers um, by adding high innovation into uh, the commercial vehicle, allowing for real-time in-cab coaching, alerts, uh, making sure drivers can know what, exactly what's going on, on the road around them. And I was curious because one of the things that the survey uh, mentioned was sort of where is distracted driving happening for sort of everyday drivers and when is it not? Um, and then obviously that's different for professional drivers. I believe the survey um, mentioned, you know, when they're closer to home, uh, they're feeling more comfortable. So they're more likely to, to um, 
drive distracted uh, than than when not. I'm curious with the professional drivers, how does the data from like what customers are reporting uh, to sort of this this non-commercial fleet, uh, non-commercial driver survey, uh, what are some of the top uh, distracted driving habits and how does it compare? Yeah. So when it comes to commercial drivers, phone usage is obviously number one. Uh, you know, everyone's human, regardless of, what, regardless of what type of vehicle they drive. And so, yes, they are, you know, curious what that text message they just received was. And, or if someone's calling them, can they pick it up and look at it? Uh, or heaven forbid, they're checking social media. But uh, everyone's human, so there are those distractions that exist. Um, now, we do have systems in place that know exactly how to monitor and, and uh, read those objections or uh, objects through the artificial intelligence. But outside of distraction through the phone, we actually see a lot of distraction from um, like drowsy driving. Uh, and in certain industries like oil and gas, where they're hauling hazmat materials, it's incredibly dangerous job to begin with. And, and that industry works very long hours. So they've seen a lot of issues with drowsy or fatigue driving. Um, and up until recently, there wasn't a really good way to be able to monitor or more importantly, correct the driving behavior if they are falling asleep on the road. Um, Netronine had recently just released an advanced drowsy driving feature that allows the AI to sort of read the behavioral cues of a driver and be able to signal to that driver that before they're actually asleep, they're reaching a point where they may fall asleep. So it's almost like a predictive analytics situation, um, which is increasingly important when you've got you know tons of fuel you're hauling behind you that could end in a very catastrophic accident if something were to go wrong. But distracted driving, drowsy driving, definitely at the top two most distracted elements. And of course, you've got other things like eating and driving, uh, or you know, sometimes if you have you know pets in the car as well, if you, if you take your dog along with you, which is common, and it's a great night thing, a, great, a nice thing. But yes, they're they're crawling around in sleeper berths, and sometimes you're wondering what's going on back there. Totally, totally. Uh, speaking of statistics, I know you mentioned a couple of them, but uh, I know one of the things that I came across was uh, like for fatigued driving that uh, cameras that or companies that implemented this technology found a sixty seven percent reduction in the fatigued driving, the drowsy driving, which is incredible. Um, obviously, hours of service, the ELD was implemented because it was trying to prevent that drowsy driving. The hours of service rules, you know, limiting those rules a little bit was all around preventing that drowsy driving piece. But these cameras and software tend to do a whole lot more of improvement. And I'm going to touch on another uh, statistics. It was like, I guess, six years ago now, but AAA uh, estimated that these systems can prevent 63,000 uh, truck-involved crashes, nearly 3,000 injuries, and 300 deaths every year. And I bring up the 300 deaths every year with this survey because ELDs, when they were basically forced and implemented uh, around that same time, they were excited to say that it would prevent 26 deaths every year. This is 10 times more uh, an order of magnitude more improvement in that safety tech. So this is something that obviously is going to be sticking around, if not required moving forward, especially with how FMCSA does things. I'm curious, you know, we know, we know this based on the stats that this uh, information is 
this this type of software and cameras work. We'll touch on sort of the myths and things about that in a second, but I was curious why, what are the benefits? Uh, why are fleets using this tech despite say a, a driver's worrying about the technology? I think exactly what you just mentioned, you know, the EOD mandate had great intentions. And although there were mixed feelings through the industry, if it would actually work. And I think after several years of monitoring its performance, it didn't quite hit the mark exactly. Um, now, that doesn't mean that we can't learn from that. And I think that's exactly what the survey or this sort of research study is saying is that by the adoption of, you know, in-cab cameras, being able to monitor distracted driving like drowsiness or, or phone usage or whatever it may be, and then combine that with even external factors like following too close or speeding or other sort of risky driving behaviors, we really can correct that risky driving behavior in real time. That's kind of the whole thing around in-cab alerts or sort of micro-coaching, is if you can alert a driver that they're doing something that they may have not realized they were doing just because it's a bad habit they haven't corrected yet, then yes, we can prevent those 63,000 accidents and those 300 deaths. I mean, that's all the, all, the whole thing we all want to do, right? Is we want to save lives, right? Exactly. How do we actually do that? Well, the statistics say right there, as you just said, that by using the, the, or adopting you know, in-cab cameras, we can make a significant impact on that. And ultimately, I think the fleets that are seeing this or the ones that are adopting it now are seeing exactly the stats you mentioned. In fact, we've even had some of our customers, like Amazon being a big one, who has seen a 90% reduction in risky events like speeding or following too close or stop sign compliance and things like that. They've even quoted a 50% reduction in accidents which is great. I mean, those Amazon delivery drivers are driving through our neighborhoods where our kids play. Of yeah, course, we want them paying attention to the road. Totally. Uh, and that's, that's awesome. So obviously there's the, the safety piece that affects the driver. They, they want to get home safe. Their families want them to get home safe. That's obvious. Uh, the other side of that is, I mean, you got insurance and litigation for the fleet side of things. Um, obviously uh, we had Shipley energy on our podcast recently and what they mentioned is obviously to make insurance premiums go down, make the crash claims or the claims go down. And this kind of technology, the whole point of it is to reduce those crashes, reducing those claims, which then eventually would reduce your insurance premiums. Awesome. And then there's the, the litigation piece. And I wanted to see your opinion on that. How is this technology being used in litigation? Yeah. So for litigation, exactly. Um, Oftentimes, I think everyone knows the stats somewhere around like 80% of the time that there's an accident, it's not the commercial driver's fault. It's usually it's a passenger car or consumer car's fault. Um, and now all of a sudden we have video evidence to prove that it wasn't their fault. And more importantly is going back even before an accident happens, which is sort of this evolution that we're experiencing with, you know, if we look at it from a rudimentary standpoint, dash cams. Back in the day, the event recorders were only there for exoneration. And in that case, they were there to say, yes, here's who's actually, we had video evidence of what actually happened. That's great. And it still exists today. But more importantly is litigation is not just going after to say, hey, we want a video proof of what happened. They're going after the fleet and saying, all right, how often are you coaching these drivers? Is, yeah. is maybe this one incident is a sequence of many incidents. Let's go like a look at those. Um, they're like sharks, they're hunting. And so what, what fleets need to do now is they need to have a scalable and repeatable coaching process 
for all of their drivers. And I would argue even weekly. And some fleet managers go, well, that's impossible. How are we going to do that? Well, exactly what we're offering now. This is the whole reason why these advanced AI cameras exist and why in-cap cameras exist is that it starts with those micro coaching of elements, those in-cab alerts. And then through the AI can recognize trends and driving behavior and risking profiles. And on a weekly basis, you can actually send out digital videos and, and little courses for drivers to watch. And that is what allows one, the driver to truly improve their driving behavior. If there was a bad habit that needed to, they need to squash. Um, but it also, it gives the fleet evidence that listen, we're, we're actively coaching these drivers and it reduces the risk of litigation targeting that inefficiency in their own operation. Exactly. I completely agree. I know, um, you know, one of the things we always recommend is you have the tech that's tracking the data. I know ELDs uh, is tracking, you know, harsh braking, harsh acceleration, different telematic device data. We suggested, obviously, you want a driver coaching through those things. Of course, hours of service when they're in and out, uh, when they're violating those different pieces, driver coaching on those violations. Obviously, with inward and outward facing cameras, same thing. Lots of data, include the the training program piece to it. Uh, and then uh, obviously the last piece is uh, we highly recommend, obviously it's what our company does, but third-party proactive compliance. So actually managing this data, like you said, weekly, monthly, something more than just having the data. Having the data is not enough. Coaching sometimes is not enough or it is enough, but then being able to manage uh, when a violation comes in, is it actually something that's true or is it something that they can, we can, you know, remove that citation because we have proof of something else that's, that it's not true. So all of these combined, um, definitely makes sense. Now I want to go into, we covered, we covered the benefits and I think we're going to go into these, some of these driver's myths in a second. So Atri's, uh, findings from their survey that they did, they found that, uh, the over drivers who already had the driver facing cameras in the cab gave the score of these systems a 2.6 out of 10. So a zero out of 10 scale, 2.6. Um, truck drivers that, uh, you know, their opinion with it positively impacting litigation, they gave it a score of four out of 10. Obviously very low. Um, potential biases here. A lot of different reasons why. I'm curious, what are some of those top driver myths with this technology and what is the reality? Yeah, I mean, everyone's had a, this conversation for years that drivers don't want cameras in the cab. And I get it. I mean, no one's going to be naive and say, oh, well, it's going to save your life. Why would you not want this? No, it's of course, you got a camera in your face. We understand that. Yep. But... More often, I think when we're looking at the stats of the ATRI uh, study conducted, um, I'm sure there's two things. One, they still have a camera staring at their face. Of course, they're not going to be happy about it. It's more of an emotional response versus a, did this save my life response? And that's okay. The other aspect is they may be using the wrong camera. Maybe they're using a camera that has been multiple times in previous events alerted that they did something wrong when they didn't actually do it wrong. Admittedly, the technology is still evolving, and a lot of vendors in the industry don't have great accuracy stats. There is one vendor touting 89% accurate. Well, sure, that's high, but that leaves a lot of room for inaccuracy as well. Right. And so one of the biggest things that we're really pushing is we need the accuracy of the camera systems to be very, very accurate. Next right now, it sits at about 
5%. We have a very, very low uh, room for error. We have done immense training for the artificial intelligence to know, know exactly what's going on. Um, and what happens there is actually gains trust from the drivers. The drivers, oh, that makes sense. That actually did happen. I remember that. And because they're being viewed, viewing these events on a weekly basis, hopefully with their safety manager or fleet manager, it's still relevant. They actually know what's going on. The other side of it is most or really none besides that driving can actually um, recognize good driving or positive driving. So you see the whole story. Um, obviously, all of the camera systems now besides Netshine and for the year previous have always been sort of a, a slap on the hand. It's, it's evidence that they did something wrong. And then the conversation you're having with your safety managers, always you did this wrong, you did this wrong, and this wrong. It's not usually going to be a very positive relationship because the person's constantly telling you what you've done wrong. And I would guess that most drivers are fairly proud drivers. They're, they feel like they've done a really good job and they're proud of what they do and how they make a living as they should be. So, why not use a camera system that can analyze the entire driving day and recognize all the good stuff? You know, our system is actually able to award driver stars. If you're doing a proactive defensive driving move, like creating space to a car in front of you when they're merging onto a, um, a highway or consistently stopping at 100 plus stop signs, like maintaining that level of safety and compliance, we actually reward drivers. So therefore, the conversation with the safety manager when you go in and goes, hey, great job with this, this, and this. I'm really proud of you able to maintain this and really great you know, speeding metric or uh, uh, speed limit metrics and things like that. We did notice you did a little bit of this. This is an area we want you to improve upon, but overall you're doing a great job. That's a much better conversation and a much better relationship you have with your boss or the person that you uh, go into with coaching. Totally, totally. And I know we're going to talk a lot more about some of these different policies in place that you can implement um, for driver acceptance with these uh, the software and the video. Um, I did want to co cover a couple other myths uh, or potential myths. One of them being obviously privacy. Uh, one issue being raised is that, uh, you know, micromanaging at its finest. When is the software being triggered? Is it always on or, or is it being triggered and is that customizable? So the most um, camera systems now are trigger-based, meaning they're, they right. turn on when there's a hard event, like a hard brake or hard acceleration or some sort of hard turns or obviously a collision or something like that. Um, the next giant camera system actually analyzes, is constantly analyzing. So let me put it this way. It's not always recording, but it's always analyzing. And that way we can actually recognize when something goes wrong and when that actually uh, an alert or uh, an object detection happens, then we can record and see what's going on in that situation and alert back to the fleet manager, hey, this person is falling asleep at the wheel. Uh, this is obviously is a very high risk event. Uh, or one of the combo alerts that we actually offer, which is a distracted driving and following too close. Obviously the risk profile of that activity is incredibly risky. Right. So being able to alert drivers in real time in the cab uh, is huge there. So, um, uh, Really, what what it does is it allows us to analyze the entire driving time. Now, going to what I'm assuming your next question is on the privacy elements, drivers are going to go, well, I don't want this thing staring at me and recording me the entire day, 100%. And so what Netshine has done is we recognize, again, not being naive, that privacy is a concern, so let's let's go on and uh, address it head on. 
Um, as a company, we have been approved by privacy by design to always take privacy with the utmost importance. We take it very, very seriously. We have a dedicated officer in the company that manages and makes sure that we are very compliant. Now, for the drivers themselves, we do offer a, a road-facing only camera version. If that's something that the fleet finds is important to them, we want to provide the option. But probably what we mostly see is that if there are privacy concerns, we do offer a, a feature called privacy, or sorry, driver privacy mode, which what it does is it turns off the in-cab recording, but it still allows the AI to analyze. So you can still alert the driver if they're falling asleep at the wheel, but it's not recording any video. Yep, um, so therefore we're still helping to prevent accidents uh, before they happen, but it provides the driver a little bit more privacy inside the cab. And the other sort of privacy piece, since we're on it, um, the other one is, say, the safety manager can spy on me at any time through that camera. Can fleet managers actively watch what's live recording uh, on that camera or even live, uh, I guess, streaming on that camera? And if not, when would they potentially see a video? Yeah. So short answer is no. Um, now, there are some features like our camera that offer live streaming but that's only at the, the discretion that the driver approves as well. So it's not a, it's sort of a, a mutual agreement within the fleet, uh, if that's what something you want to do. Um, but the driver, but more often than not driver early at live streaming, it does not happen. Also audio is not recorded as well. So, you know, drivers can be talking and things like that. And the fleet manager cannot listen on phone calls or whatever it may be. So, um, yeah, <laughs> Do we, we want to be very careful about how much we invade their, their office space. Totally. Uh, back to a potential myth and the litigation concern, the ATRI survey also found that drivers feared basically that too much data will find wrong, uh, th them doing something wrong, not just showing, hey, we did something correct or we're not at fault. Well, there, within that data, there was also something that maybe a plaintiff attorney can go, well, we're going to use that to to use against you. Is this a valid concern? How is this weighed uh, on that litigation side? Um, I mean, to some degree, it could be a concern, but I think it's only a concern if the data is not addressed. You know, if a if a fleet is constantly, or let's say a, a a group of drivers is constantly having a risky profile, doing risky driving, speeding, following too close, distracted driving, whatever it may be that are triggering risky uh, alerts but then not doing anything about it, then sure, that could be a, uh, a, a catch area for uh, an attorney. Um, but more importantly is that if they're, if they're able to recognize the risky driving and then, more, and then immediately correct it with virtual coaching or recommended coaching from the fleet manager or the safety manager, then there's evidence that we've seen something went wrong. We've issued you know, coaching recommendations and coaching videos and whatever it may be, to help correct that, then it shouldn't be uh, a concern from a from an attorney standpoint. Your trucking company needs to answer these four questions to be successful. How do you start your trucking company? How do you secure loads to make money? How do you grow your trucking company? And how do you stay in business? The last one, 
Staying in business is the most important and unfortunately the most difficult. But don't worry about it, we'll give you the answers for free. All you need to do is subscribe to the CNS YouTube channel right now. Look, we know you've worked hard to start your trucking company, we're not denying that. We just want all that hard work to pay off by starting you off on the right foot. The earlier you know these secrets, the better, which is why now is the time to subscribe and let CNS teach you. And if you're already up and running, not a problem. We can help you stay in business. Trucking companies are a necessity, and we really want you to be successful. Don't be fooled into thinking that running your trucking company is as easy as jumping into a truck and driving. We know the trucking industry inside and out, and trust us, it's not that easy. We constantly see trucking companies going through audits, getting fines, dealing with high insurance rates, and closing their doors, and we don't want that to be you. And I'm sure you're asking yourself, how do they know all this? What makes them an expert? Well, we own and operate multiple companies focusing on every aspect of the trucking industry from CDL training to DOT compliance to DOT licensing to commercial truck insurance and even healthcare. Ask any of our clients or other subscribers about CNS, you will only hear great things. Exactly. So this sounds exactly like whatever these policies are being set up from the fleets when they're implementing these programs and and sort of the guidelines they set around it that's like the most important piece um just implementing the tech and not doing anything with it while it gives maybe a warning system it's not enough and so when we're talking about best practices for fleets uh, to get driver buy-in uh driver acceptance of these cameras and the software that's facing them what should fleets consider? What are some of these best practices? I know we touched on a couple of them, but yeah. So from a uh, a coaching standpoint, there are a multiple different ways of coaching. So as I've mentioned a couple of times, in cab alerts. So being able to right. turn on in cab alerts to drivers is a huge benefit to getting that real time immediate feedback to drivers. Um, you you hear Netstein tell us that we do edge computing. Most people in the industry don't know what that is. In fact, I didn't know about it, what what it was before I worked in Netstein. But when you break it down, edge computing just means, means real time. So the alerts get processed right there on the device. It doesn't have to go back to the cloud, be reviewed by some random person, then send back the device minutes later, well after the event already happened. Uh, so edge computing means it happens right then and there. So you can alert the driver in real time. Um, then we've got virtual coaching, which the videos will get sent out to the mobile app of the driver on a weekly basis and say, hey, here's some of the things that maybe you're a little bit, you need to work on and improving on. Let's say you were speeding too much this week. Please make sure you're kind of monitoring what your the speed limits in the area, uh, as well as the safe limit for the vehicle itself, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then we've got a really cool feature that's called recommended coaching, where safety managers or fleet managers can go through our backend uh, portal and actually can manage from the edges is what we call it. So who know exactly who your best drivers are, know exactly who your worst drivers are, and kind of manage those from the edges. Those that are the worst, address the ones that they need to do to improve to get up higher up on that list. The ones that are your best drivers, give them high fives. Like, thank you so much for being great. I hear that you did this great, you did this great, this great. One of the big, big things that has been scientifically proven is that positive recognition actually changes behavior for the positive faster than constantly reprimanding someone. It's the carrot versus the stick. And that's exactly what the tools we have given fleet managers through the Netshrine system is being able to say, here are the great things you're doing. Please do more of that. By the way, improve over here versus you're constantly doing a bad job. Why do you suck? Um, and obviously that doesn't work. 
Now, there's also a way going back to, hey, we've got a lot of information here. How do we make it actionable? Is that the, the system itself makes recommendations inside the platform. We actually just released a, a new tool called the Safety Manager Assistant, which is sort of this little chat icon in the, in the bottom right of our, our portal. And what it does right now is simply it addresses all of the help centers. If you want to know more about how to do something inside the Next Time portal, you can ask it questions. But the future state of this, well, you will actually be able to ask it questions like, hey, who are my riskiest drivers? Or what drivers do I need to coach this week? And so it essentially begins doing a lot of the analysis that a safety manager would have to do on their own for them. So it's it's going to improve efficiencies and effectiveness of the back-end office considerably. So now they're not having to comb through videos or like scour through different drivers or having to analyze which driver scores are best. All of this will be done for them so they can spend more time making the driver safer versus just staring at data. Awesome. Now you covered a lot of different pieces here and I'm going to tackle a couple of them uh, separately. Um, I mentioned before we had Shipley Energy, they're a gas fuel hauler uh, here in the Pennsylvania area, and they have forward-facing cameras with a competitor. And that was one of the things they mentioned, um, you know, a driver uh, was like, hey, uh, I got flagged for saying there wasn't, my seatbelt wasn't in, but then he's like, I, it was plugged in. And look, I just added a reflector, for example, you know, obviously the tech uh, needed one extra piece. It's not there yet. Uh, unlike it seems like with Netrodyne. Um, and then for them, when they implement it, there's two things that they're doing right now, obviously a rewards program. So the there's bonus bonuses, if they meet camera performance, uh, above whatever determined threshold has been built. One of the things that you've, you've mentioned as well. Um, but the other piece is, whether it's this privacy concern or or what 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 they want to implement, uh, which this safety manager has done in other uh, fuel haulers across the U.S. is getting cameras in the office. So when the driver says, "Well, I got a camera on me while I'm at work," okay, yeah, well, we got a drive, uh, we got a camera film in the office in the bullpen. We're with you here too. Uh, you know, we're we're in this together kind of mentality. Um, has other customers mentioned any kind of programs like that in place? I'm just curious. We have um, a lot of really interesting programs that our customers have implemented around driver incentives and, and safety programs and things like that. Um, and a lot of the positive elements that go into the Green Zone score, which is our, our you know advanced driver scoring system, are, are foundational elements of uh, implementing a incentive program for drivers. Right. Um, with that. We have have a couple of customers ask, can they put a driverized system in their own personal car? So it's not like the company uh, commercial vehicle, but if I'm a fleet manager and I don't necessarily drive one of the company vehicles, but I do have my own you know, Honda Accord or my own pickup truck, whatever it may be, they've actually put some in their own camera of personal vehicles to say, listen, we're in this together. I understand why you maybe have some hesitations, but there are going to be a lot of positive impacts that come from this. I'll do this with you to show you that it's going to be a good idea. Yep. Hey, look, here's my score. <laughs> okay. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which, you know, honestly, I mean, that's what I think professional drivers want in general. Anyway, you know, telematic devices uh, being forced on truckers. Why doesn't everybody have a telematic device? It makes sense. Uh, you know, forward facing cameras or other cameras totally makes sense, especially when they're the ones at fault. Uh, the non-professional drivers are the ones at fault in majority for these crashes. 
Um, so completely understandable. All right. So one of the other pieces that the Atri report found was that drivers were also worried about who had access to the footage. Um, obviously, safety managers, it makes sense that they should have the footage. More than the majority said that makes sense. But say executives or potential random coworkers uh, potentially seeing some of this, some of this data, um, maybe they shouldn't have access to it. I was curious about what your opinions are from maybe your customers on who sees uh, who's being implemented on who sees the video footage and who doesn't. Yeah, so there's two different scenarios here. One is from a daily operational standpoint, it doesn't necessarily make sense to share the video across the company, right? There's there's no actionable uh, uh, next steps that need to take place by having a random ex senior exec take a look at the videos. This is a, a, uh, a plan that's put in place between the safety manager and the driver. So there's really the only two people that need, be, that need to be concerned about what needs to happen next on a consistent daily basis. Now, here's the second bucket of where it may expand outside of that. Um, we do have a couple customers that on a monthly basis, when they do their driver awards at the end of each month, they say, hey, we want to recognize our top three best drivers. Here's your $1,000 gift card, or you enter your chance to win a trip or whatever it may be that they've done for their incentive program. They will then sometimes share some of the videos of all the great things that these drivers have done. Like, look, they've gotten five driver stars this month. Let's go look at those driver stars. And what they've done is they actually are showing good examples of what to do to other drivers in the fleet and sort of this larger uh, gathering everyone at the end of the month. So um, we're not usually seeing this viral spread of of bad driving behavior within the company. It's, it's, just, it's just not advantageous. There's no reason for it for them. Um, but we have seen that a lot of the positive, the good drivings um, are being shared to show sort of good examples to other drivers of what they should be doing. Yeah, it makes complete sense. And I know one of the things that you mentioned earlier, um, that was one of, so actually their report from the survey came out with 10 driver suggestions. One of the suggestions was, uh, well, either full driver control or having full access to the footage. And I believe you mentioned that was the app showing, hey, here are some things that popped up. The driver gets to see these, uh, you know, they can have their opinions on it, but they have access to that footage. Is is that why that's sort of there or is there more to this, um, uh, you know, with this driver access piece? We'd like to keep it a little simple. So not the drivers don't have access to every single piece of footage. One, they just wouldn't be able to have the time to comb through all of it. Um, but what it does do is that when a, a video is sent to a safety manager and there's a, a coaching opportunity, then the safety manager then can send it to their to their mobile app and say, hey, just saw this, check out, you know, you totally blew through that stop sign, make sure you're just, you know, being aware and alert of all that type of stuff. The other scenario is that in the event of an accident or some sort of other incident on the road, the safety manager can actually send video evidence directly to the driver so that they can show the officer on the scene or whoever's there that needs to see it. We've had many customers go, wow, this car came out of nowhere. The, they claim that I read the red light, but I definitely had the green light. Uh, and the safety managers, don't worry, I have video evidence that you are not at fault. Send it directly to the driver. The driver shows the officer on the scene, and immediately the officer goes, yep, you're good to go. This is not your fault. I'm going to address it with the, the other passenger car. See, and that's awesome because that's exactly goes into sort of those predatory, predatory uh, claims that happen where they're trying to uh, get basically free money, claiming they're 
the injury and who was at fault. So same thing, right? In in the predatory cases, um, exactly tackling that. Awesome. Um, so so the driver list of some ten suggestions we've touched on many of these. Um, you know, viewing footage only after a crash. We've talked about why it would be potentially more important uh, than just a crash, other events as well. Um, and they mentioned, of course, less fault seeking and punitive use, which is obviously goes into how fleets are approaching this, uh, you know, with, again, with the rewards program, with the how they're communicating to their drivers uh, that it's not focusing on the punitive, but it's also it's it's lifting everybody up um, and then rewarding, like you said, from from the top, uh, which is great. And then, of course, the other piece was better communication, which that that goes without saying, right? Any, any program being in place, the more communication you have on it, the the honesty that you have with it, it just makes common sense. Um, one of the things that they mentioned, obviously, is less sensitive triggers. Uh, this comes into what's the previous technology that you're using? Is there better technology out there? And the technology that is out there, Netrodyne being the leading end of this, where is it going in the future? So obviously what they're complaining about is either the nagging or warning systems. Hey, it, it, it's not a big deal at the moment. This was, I'm being nagged or for or violation uh, for, for, I don't know, doing something here, or it looks like I'm on the phone when I'm actually not. My seatbelt's not actually, or my seatbelt is on when it's not. I'm just curious, more data, uh, more improvement over time. What's that future look like on that Netrodyne side? Yeah, so there's two things that can happen today and, and probably a, a future statement. So going back to what I, I said a, a little while ago is that the biggest thing that needs to improve across the board is accuracy for other vendors because other vendors that have bad accuracy are giving the rest of us a bad name. <laughs> um, so, so as I said, Netrodyne's got 90% accuracy, meaning that if something's happening, more often than not, it's true that it actually happened. Um, the other thing to look at, though, is um, from a future standpoint, we'll be consistently improving the what can be uh, seen or the ob object detection of the AI itself. So, as I mentioned, um, we previously had what we referred to as a as a drowsy alert, meaning that we could recognize when someone's falling asleep. The advancements that the AI can do, which is sort of a, a good example of what the future looks like is that we've taken that version of a drowsy alert and said, all right, how do we actually, instead of alert a fleet manager that someone's falling asleep, is that they are actually seeing behavioral signs that they could fall asleep. Um, so you're able to say, hey, you know, Mr. Driver, why don't you pull over and, and take some rest because we predict that you're kind of reaching a, a point where you may be falling asleep. So the advancements in the technology ultimately are all aimed at preventing accidents before they happen by addressing risky driver behavior or, or predictive driving behavior that um, will allow us to, as we mentioned, there's 63,000 accidents. You know, if we could increase that to more, why not? It'd be 100,000 accidents that we can prevent one day. Okay. Instead of, you know, the 300 deaths, let's, re let's prevent 500, let's, let's prevent 1,000. There's more people on the roads, there's more distractions. So the, the goal of the advanced sort of artificial intelligence that Netrodyne offers is that we want to prevent the accidents before they happen. And the technology will continue to be innovating and creating new ways of doing that 
so ultimately, we can actually you know be behind our uh, our statement that we want to save lives. Exactly, and I'm curious, um, you know, just sort of that long term hat vision. Um, I'm curious what Netrodyne's plan is. So, commercial fleets in the U.S. or North America. I'm curious. Is it going to expand to non-commercial? Would it potentially expand overseas or is it already overseas? I'm curious, just that sort of, you know, five, 10 year future. Yeah. Every, every time I tell someone what I do, the, usually their immediate answer is, wow, I wish I had that for my 16 year old oh. daughter. Yeah. <laughs> um, but to answer that question, I think the, the consumer use of the technology is probably a little farther out than we want. There's a lot of back-end configuration that needs to happen. Um, but that doesn't mean that it couldn't be something considered for the future, even from like an OEM standpoint. So uh, it's not on our roadmap right now, um, but maybe something down the road. Um, more, what is on our roadmap now is we we are a global company. We do, have, we do operate in other, several other countries, um, and we will continue to expand um, our presence in those countries because every country has their own set of road issues. Uh, and so being able to in innovate the technology to recognize, I mean, think about it. Right now, we read stop signs by the shape and the word stop on a stop sign. Well, stop signs don't look the same in every single country. So being able to improve the advancements in the artificial intelligence to be able to recognize different country signs, speed limits, and things like that. Because uh, everyone's got Need, need safer roads. So that's one of the biggest things they're working on now with, with uh, including, as I've mentioned though, is constantly being at the cutting edge of our of innovation. Um, that's our biggest thing is that we, we always want to be ahead and first in line to say, here's what we created, uh, new technology, new innovation to make roads safer for everyone. Well, this, this is all extremely fascinating. Obviously, uh, what people aren't realizing, so Netrodyne, not only is it the camera, and the software tech, there's the reward program piece and the, uh, you know, the monitoring piece, the driver coaching piece, so much here beyond just the camera and the tech, uh, which I, I just absolutely love. Um, I hope competitors either catch up or more people utilize the best product moving forward when they start implementing. This is something that we're obviously going to see moving forward. FMCSA might try to push something hard on this. Um, obviously, you know, it'd be interesting to try to get, you know, owner operators or, you know, ELDs. We were always curious, are they going to, you know, implement some kind of device when they're building the truck? Maybe that could be the potential long-term future. Same thing with this uh, ADAS kind of a system. But regardless, uh, it's a fascinating future. It's fascinating uh, present that we live in and the future just only that much more safe and exciting. So, Thank you so much, Barrett, uh, for joining me on the podcast. If you guys have any questions, uh, you can fill out the comments down below. I can always pass it down to Barrett or uh, we, we can answer these questions. And uh, any other comments, I'm curious what your thoughts are. Pros, cons, and we can discuss this. What other myths, uh, uh, concerns do you have uh, that we could potentially address? Whatever it is. Uh, we just want the communication on this being clear, uh, the benefits on the driver side and on the company side, extremely clear and the future, extremely clear where it's all about safety, uh, and that improvement again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's our podcast caution wide, right? 
Uh, you can find us YouTube, Spotify, across social media, Netrodyne, obviously YouTube, social media as well. Uh, find them, like them, follow them, um, and, and the, the future is bright. So again, thank you, Barrett, for, for joining us today. Thank you so much. And with that, stay safe out there. Thank you.